0: Body, how's everybody's Sunday doing? Mike, you doing all right?
1: Oh, uh, I am surviving, Brad. I am surviving, or trying to at least. Well, hang on, let me just. Okay, there we go. Seems fair. On wood This is 2020, yep. so. <laughs> not running anything hello. at this point.
0: Hello, everybody. Uh, if this is your first time joining us, I'm Brad. That's Mike. We're Dallas Geek. Thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your Sunday to talk nerdy stuff. <laughs> I don't know if this is really nerdy, though. It's cinema, and to a lot of people, cinema is pretty nerdy. Especially if you're analyzing it.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Two seconds. Sorry. De- Mike, check real quick. Let me just... Ah. There we go. That's fair. Can I, can I thought I show, for a second you were about to what, check
0: your fancy football.
1: No. But can I show what I'm drinking? Is, is that going to get us flagged for...
0: I mean, we're not sponsored by them, so we, we're not beholden to anything for them.
1: Well, I'm trying to get sponsored by them. <laughs> so... I mean,
0: if you want to go ahead and start sucking up early.
1: Uh, uh... I especially love the cherry doctor. I especially love cherry Dr. Pepper. Sell out. If you get the free Dr. Pepper, you're damn right I am. With that, um. Hmm. Tastes like sellout. (laughs) 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 Which tastes Uh, delicious.
0: (laughs) Guys, if this is your first time watching us and you want to check out more of our stuff, please do not forget to. Like our video and follow us over on Facebook, or like the video and subscribe over on YouTube. And if you want to be able to check out our content but don't always have time for the videos, you can check out the audio over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. So, we would love to have you everywhere, anywhere, whatever you want, but we just love having you as an audience. So...
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like the '90s porn music in the background really fits with the "We want to have you anywhere, everywhere." Ah, uh,
0: made. Th- this is definitely not '90s porn. Th- this, this feels a lot more '90s cheese.
1: I don't know. Man.
0: '90s porn has this a lot more pretty... bass. There's a good amount of bass in this. Eh. <laughs> it's more horn. It feels a true. C- little bit closer to Skylight, but not quite. It's true. It's true. So, <laughs> uh, now that I think we have scared off all of the normies, um, we have guys to watch us. <laughs> uh, uh, mm. Mike, what are we talking about today?
1: Uh, politics. Actually that's not entirely See, is, wrong. Let's say this is the one time that I can make that joke and it's really not technically a joke. <laughs> yeah. Um so for so those of you talking... who didn't know,
0: and chances are that's a lot of you, last Thursday mm-hmm. was the eightieth anniversary of Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator. And if you can't guess by the title, it's a little bit political. But it's amazing. It's one of my top five. Actually, it, it kind of goes back and forth as my number one, uh, depending on when you ask. Um, Depends and
2: on how you feel it about is one George. of but, eh? eight
0: movies that Charlie Chaplin has in the Criterion Collection.
1: Yep. Yep. I um, think it's, it is recognized in the Library of Congress as... Uh, yep. Oh, hell, what's their their whole spiel about In uh, 1997, it was historical... inducted in their National Film Registry. Yeah. There you go, thank you. Uh, um, on
0: behalf of... Um, what was it? Our artistic, historical, or aesthetic merit. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Um, it was, no, this is I mean, widely regarded as... Yeah. Like, this is widely regarded as one of the most, like, important pieces of film ever made. Not just necessarily, like, political satire film. Like, filmed in general. And if I'm not mistaken, I think this was his first non-silent film, if I remember right, right? Yep.
0: Uh, Charlie Chaplin had a thing where he was vehemently opposed to uh, being in a talkie, as it was referred to at the time. Essentially, a movie with recorded dialogue. Um, He started off as a silent film star. He was determined to stay that Mm -hmm. way. In fact, his featured character, the Tramp, Mm -hmm. as he put it, will never speak. That is Mm -hmm. never going to happen. And then the 30s happened and Mm -hmm. Hitler became a thing. And what was happening in Germany and to the rest of Europe hit him hard enough that he decided... That was the one time he wanted to break his own rule
1: and speak. Now, I will say, I think, if I remember right, I think I've read that in interviews that he did later on, obviously he's no longer with us, but before, you know, Mm. before he passed and and kind of the, the historical context of it, looking back like in the 50s and 60s when he was interviewed about it, if I remember right, I think he said that if he knew exactly the atrocities that was being committed, he would have never made the film. So, it wasn't so much
0: that. It was that his biggest regret was that his signature look was so close to Hitler that that similarity haunted him. But not nearly as much as the fact that Hitler and Charlie Chaplin were born four days apart in the same year and in almost identical conditions. And that similarity... In their whole upbringing, uh, just absolutely got to him. Like, yep. throw in the similarity in well, aesthetics, like, and it just, he he couldn't get
1: past it. Well, like, they were both artists, artists right? Like, that is the one thing that yeah. history technically... Well, that's the one thing that everybody everybody that doesn't follow history forgets about Hitler, is he was an artist before World War One broke out. Yeah. Like, he was a dude that was just painting. And had some not-so-great ideas, to put it lightly, um, but nothing that got to the point that he got to, you know, at that yeah. time. And then World War One breaks out, and then Germany is saddled with having to basically repay the world's debt to rebuild the world. Everybody in Germany gets pissed off, and this... Austrian-born, failed artist basically starts talking about how the world needs to pay for what they've done to us, and, huh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One thing leads to another, unfortunately, and boom. Yeah, uh, and... I I spark-noted that quite a bit, but, you know. Well, I
0: mean, keep in mind, The Great Dictator came out in 1940, which means it was being created in the Mm -hmm. late 30s. When, as far as the world was concerned, Hitler was kind of a almost non issue as far as America was concerned. And most right. people outside of Europe didn't really see him as much of anything beyond just a very loud political leader who had some fairly right. extreme ideas. And it wasn't until around the time when this movie came out that it became painfully obvious to everybody that there was a lot more to it than that. And it was very, I think problematic is too light of a term. Uh, Right. Yeah. But yeah.
1: Just to, sorry, continue.
0: No, uh, from a historical perspective, this movie is maybe one of the best things that any history student can watch. Because it really does a good job at being more or less accurate with the ideology of what happened. While trying to break up the seriousness of it in just the right moments with a little bit of humor. Even though in fairness the humor in this movie isn't what you would call typical Charlie Chaplin humor. It it was more dark in tone.
1: Yeah, yeah. this was... I mean, it was a real departure for Chaplin, but at the same time, it's like... Well, I mean, it's obviously a departure because he's talking. Um, He never did, but the thing that you also have to remember is, like you said, this was a very serious... This is very serious subject matter. Now, granted, it released in 1940, which means it filmed in 38-39, somewhere on the ballpark. Remember, Poland Mm -hmm. doesn't get invaded until September of 1939. Mm -hmm. So, Hitler is Chancellor in He's elected to Chancellor, um, you can quote me, or you can fact check me, but I'm trying to remember, I think it's Chancellor in 33 becomes third becomes Fuhrer in 34, um, and then basically you have five years of build-up and you have five years of the Nationalist Red. Uh, 33. Yeah, Chancellor in 33, right? And then mm-hmm. rose to power is the Fuhrer in 34? Hmm. Yep. That's what it just said, damn it. I know. Um, um, but you know, you had the nationalist rhetoric. You had the, you know, the building blocks were there. You could already kind of see what was coming. Well, not kind of. I mean, you could see what was coming if you were paying attention. Now, granted, this was not, you know, there wasn't the twenty-four hour news cycle. So if you weren't yeah. there reporting it, well, it's kind of you like have North to understand. So,
0: if you've ever seen the movie Chaplin. Uh, Sergeant Robert Downey Mm -hmm. Jr., amazing movie. Uh, Obviously, there was a bit of creative license involved with the retelling of Charlie Chaplin's life. But one of the elements that was more or less accurate was when it depicted the fact that in the 30s, there were plenty of uh, parties or events involving the Hollywood socialites that were very Nazi-sympathetic. Because at the time, Mm -hmm. they didn't see the atrocities that were coming. They just saw the rhetoric that seemed very power to the people. And at the time, it was very attractive. Which also is kind of why it's a little bit ironic that using the rhetoric that was in the movie. And even the rhetoric at the end of the movie and the big speech. Which is considered one of the best cinematic speeches of all time. Um, it was such that it actually got J. Edgar Hoover to be utterly convinced that Charlie Chaplin was a communist because it sounded very communistic in nature, even though that's Mm -hmm. not what it was. And unfortunately, because of all the other rhetoric going around Hollywood at the time, it was really hard for him to make that point that I'm not trying to be a communist, I'm trying to make this point about authoritarianism just because there's some other people in Hollywood that think this way. That's, no, we're not the same. But that didn't make a difference, which is also kind of why this movie debuted to a little bit of success initially. But as it went on, it got worse and worse reviews and the public turned on them because Mm -hmm. they were seeing the similarities to what was happening in real life. And they thought this was sympathetic to hitler mm-hmm. and it wasn't until much later that the general public saw it as a genuine masterpiece
1: yeah yeah this was definitely one of those kind of well like i think if i remember right i think the box office it did was three million yeah like initial box office of three million on a budget i think of like 1.5 or 2 million which Hard to think of a movie being made for one million dollars nowadays. <laughs>
0: I mean, especially um, when you
1: consider the production value
0: no. you were getting out of this. I mean, right. looking at it, it, it had so much realism to the more diabolical parts. You could really feel right. the, the context that was attempting to be given of the, the dictator that was
1: being parodied. Right. Um. I'm going to look at something real quick. If you want to keep talking.
0: Yeah. But
1: the other thing. So it was not. Oh, it was what? nominated for five Academy Awards. So it was nominated yeah. for Best Actor, Best Picture, mm-hmm. Original Score, Supporting Actor, and then Original Screenplay. So this is one of those movies that, like, yeah. at the time when it debuted, it debuted to quite a bit of fanfare, and then yeah, it turned quick. Uh, yeah <laughs>
0: yeah no I the the real thing that looking back makes it seem very odd how sympathetic people time. thought this movie was trying to be to Hitler was when you look at the actual portrayal uh, of Hinkle which was the mm-hmm. the, the parody Hitler right um, right it was clearly showing him as a buffoon. Yes, it was right. showing him as Brad. charismatic. What?
1: Hey, hey, just really quick, I don't mean to interrupt you, but did you ever think in your life you would say parody Hitler?
0: I mean, you and I did grow up on Mel Brooks, so... Oh, very fair.
1: Okay, cliche. sorry, <laughs> continue your point, sir.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, it just showed such a level of buffoonery to him. Yeah. Yes, it definitely showed him as an evil despot, but right. it was clearly showing him as an idiot. And it was right. not meant to be taken seriously. Mm. And yet
1: was very so satirical. many people did. Yeah. Right. It was it was sat it was satire way ahead of its time. Right. I mean,
0: it didn't really help that The attempt to break up the seriousness of it really did have a lot of the traditional Charlie Chaplin slapstick. Um, Right, right. But, I mean, the fact that this was... This was a movie that was a modern retelling, essentially, of The Prince and the Pauper, but Mm. instead of a poor peasant and a prince, you're talking evil Nazi dictator and Jewish barber with amnesia. Yeah. I mean, slightly different, but, I mean, right. the the differences there do seem very poignant considering the point that was being made. Um, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, look, this, so, I think no, this I, is one of those... I think look the fact that it's the 80th anniversary the fact that we're in an election year and the fact that well like as we uh, as we watch him there you go
0: yeah I mean uh, like y- you got to be able to stand up to the Nazis
1: somehow <laughs> right um, although they I don't think they explicitly call them Nazis I don't remember
0: no they don't they but we intentionally talked about the swastika with two X's but, right. I mean, the Jewish part was all still the same. Yeah. The, the yeah. behavior, the aesthetic, all there.
1: Right. Yeah, look, I think it's, you know, for... for Jesus. <laughs> I can't even... As I'm watching this on my computer screen, I can't even... <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, but, you know, th- there has to be some more humor in there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what better know. way to show some Nazi humor, than frying pan to the head.
1: <laughs> yep. Warner <laughs> Brothers couldn't have done it better themselves.
0: <laughs> and uh, to be fair, I feel like Bugs uh, Bunny did have a frying pan moment with the Nazi at least once. I mean, there were a oh, few you of did. those, yeah. so, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, but I think, look, I think this is, this is one of those, like in the political climate that we're in right now, I think it's very appropriate that we look at this, yeah. um, you know and gave it its due for what it is i mean you know, this is like this is one of those that 1997 wasn't was basically recognized by the library of congress as being something that needs to be preserved till the end of time like i think that yeah. should kind of tell you everything that you need to know um about the importance so, of what it is what it said um yeah i mean <clears throat> this me. the
0: the thing about the premise of this Yes, it was about Hitler. Yes, it was about what's happening at the moment. Uh, But realistically, Charlie Chaplin's intent behind this was more than just speaking out against Hitler. It was speaking out against authoritarianism as a general concept with Hitler just being the latest iteration of that. So this is definitely the kind of movie that you can watch during any major part of history that has extreme political strife and be able mm-hmm. to take something away from it that applies to what you're seeing or experiencing at that moment in time right um yeah yeah i agree it, it is a truly timeless movie even considering the very time-specific
1: aesthetics right so yeah i think that's very well said um I guess, do we get to get on a soapbox now? Yeah, I mean, definitely no
0: comparison to anything happening today, depending on your
1: perspectives. No. Right. And just, you know, I guess to get on a soapbox, you know, if you do have a different perspective from your friends or the person to your left or your right, you don't have to be a dick about it. Yeah. So I think that's one thing that is often forgotten in the political climate of today. You can disagree with somebody and still, you know, Love them unconditionally, um, still think very highly of them. I know several of my friends that, you you know, I think you and I don't necessarily see eye to eye on a lot of political stuff either, and yet here we are sitting here talking about The Great Decatur on a podcast that we've been doing for, shit, how long have we been doing this now? <laughs> Three and a half years? Four years? Three and All a half years? Four? four years? Yeah. yeah. In that ballpark. I had a hair down to the middle of my back when we started this, so. That is fair, actually. <laughs> I think that's different um, thing you need to know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I I was just down to scruff. So, I mean, no. you know, things change. You were single. Uh, semi-single. Yes. Technically just dating. Yeah. Yeah, early dating. Yeah. Uh Yeah. But So. Yeah, no, it That's actually one of the things that is brought up even in the very last speech of the movie, which uh, Mm. is when he talks about the fact that they're... one of the biggest losses as a society uh, is when we focus so hard on advancement and forget that there needs to be uh, an emotional connection, that you have to be able to still have Empathy for the people around you. You have to be able to uh, feel What's happening not just think about what makes the most sense logically because after a point that gets to an extreme that just hurts everybody and I mean obviously the way he put it was much more elegant than I Think I could ever put it Um but yeah, no, it, it is such an amazing movie. And because it did come out 80 years ago, I really don't think enough new people are introduced to it. And they really no, should. Because God, no. it is such no. an amazing piece of cinematic mastery. I mean, yeah. just keep in mind, Charlie Chaplin in general revolutionized movie making. Because when he started doing silent films, it was still one of those things that was so new, anything in moving pictures was mind-blowing. He came in and started trying to bring in cohesive storylines, bring in uh, a bit more of a vaudevillian sense of humor that would have more of a purpose, uh, a bit more hard-hitting wit, and... Then, when he came in with a consistent character from movie to movie to movie to movie and even started his own movie production that could give him even more creative freedom and just expand the whole concept of the movie making process by making a devoted movie studio, a consistent cast, a consistent production crew, uh, a consistent process, it... It single-handedly gave us the movie experience we have today. I mean, yeah, other people were doing something similar at the time, and we would have had some shape of the cinematic climate we have now without him. But it would be nowhere near as elegant without
1: his contributions. Yeah, yeah, I think that's 100% right. I think... You know, I think when the industry was trying to crawl, he was thinking about walking. When yeah. the industry started to walk, he was thinking about running, right? Like, it always seemed like he was two, three, four steps ahead of where the industry was. And he was one of the driving factors that the industry, that took the industry to where it ended up and where it is now, right? Like, I mean, everybody yeah. was the baby sitting there in front of the dangling keys, and he was the one that was thinking about everything else outside of what was dangling in front of his face
0: hell i'd be willing to go so far as to say without charlie chaplin mm. we would have never gotten john belushi or yeah, no, that's
1: half what? of the greats from snl No, so snl like, basically before 1988
0: Uh, There were a few greats in the 90s. Let's be fair there. Name them. Not nearly as many, but you know.
1: (laughs) Name them. (sighs) Mm.
0: I hate saying Adam Sandler because so many of his movies bother me, but in fairness, Box Office says
1: differently. (sighs) Actually, I think Sandler's first year was in the 90s, wasn't he? That's what I said. Or the '80s. No, 90s. he was 19. He was 1990. Yep. So he was actually at the turn of the '90s. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give him credit to the '80s. Oh. Ouch. Okay. Um Farley, David Spade, Norm Macdonald. Mm-hmm. I think all those guys were around that same Steven time. Even Dana Carvey. This rock. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you had like one group, and that was it.
0: But yeah, no, th- there's. So much that we got from him, and I yeah. honestly, I, I think he doesn't get nearly enough credit, and this no. movie especially. No. Uh, I would even be willing to say this movie set the stage for things like, uh, well, the Tonight Show, or. Yeah. Um. Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, or basically any kind of political satire, from being possible. Like, without the great dictator setting the precedent that a comedian could be political, but not have to be, like, you know, a politician or something similar. Right, right. I I think you wouldn't have the same kind of comedic climate in that regard.
1: Well, I, I think this was also, also I think this was also that starting point of like you could use satire to make a political point. Right? Yeah. Like like satire could be used to make a political point or be used to basically kind of go after somebody else's political point. Like and so doing it to the point where you're a caricature of Yeah. Sure. So. Sure, Kyla, you can make a comment since you're okay. just here your talking to me while I'm on a live stream. Go ahead. The okay. mic's right there, please, by all means. <laughs> I was say, like, what about the Bonas uh, proposal? What about it? Wouldn't that be a start of being a political point using satire when they suggested eating Catholic babies to take care of the. Sir, specifically Irish Catholic babies to take care of the uh, hunger problem that was going on in England at the time? Can you hear that?
0: Um. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think I'm going to need a bit of. Hel- history
1: uh, refresh the, the start of- huh <sighs> the you never heard of the the modest proposal it was a satirical piece that oh, was super oh yeah me. yeah I mean <laughs> I hey oh wait, hey, it doesn't matter it's the Irish Catholic no like I, I've heard
0: anyway. of a couple things named a, a modest proposal but the eating
1: Irish Catholic babies again Irish Catholic nobody cares Wow. Okay. Uh, I Catholics mean, I know. Sure. Dirty potatoes. The Catholics eaters. and the Christians are the Whatever. two. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, just if it's Catholics and Christians, you can make fun of them and persecute them all you want, and it's fine. It's fine. Hmm. Sorry. No, don't give me that look, Kyla. That was sarcasm that I was using. <laughs> yes, I'm sure coming from me. <laughs> I hate everybody but the Catholics and the. I mean, what? Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> anyway. Again,
1: again, sarcasm, folks. No, you're fine. No, I think... I think, I think what but, she was yeah. trying to say was is that, you know, satire is a big weapon that can be used against, you know, political discourse and political rhetoric that has, you know, but this is kind of the first... This is the first big instance where we saw it in in the media uh or in the medium of film right yes like this is the first time that really we saw and this was something where you know this is something where like i said it was at the time it was the the you know anti-semit anti-semitic thank you there's the word good job brain the anti-semitic supernaturalist nationalist rhetoric of the Nazi party kind of rising in Europe and everything and we as the outside world were looking at it and like wow that's really messed up they're going after people like that and you had some people that like yes it is messed up I'm going to say something about it now granted at the time unfortunately we didn't know how messed up it was so I think we would have done more than you know we did um but I think in terms of in terms of being able to use comedy to poke holes in you know a political argument or somebody's beliefs, I think this was one of the first really big examples of that in the medium of film. Yep. And like you said, it did pave the way for the guys like John Oliver, like the John Stewarts, and <sighs> that's that's the host of the Daily Show now. Trevor Nella. Oh, God, he's such a fucking waste of space. Um, you come have a back, sensor John Stewart, button. I miss you so much. Y- you yeah, but uh, he doesn't deserve a censor button. He doesn't deserve a censor button. Trevor oh, and of course, of space.
0: little tidbits. The yep. uh, leading lady, for the surprisingly little mm-hmm. amount of screen time that she got in this, um, Yeah. which was uh, uh, Paulette Goddard, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Chaplin's... I believe final wife I, I have to say final because I, right. I believe he had four five that sounds right. real one two three four. four four sorry she was number three
1: she was three of four mm. you know, so she was his third wife yeah definitely definitely not Irish Catholic with those kind of numbers
0: yep no uh, divorced two years after the movie and uh, yep. she Mar- or so he married uh, Una O'Neill uh, a year after that and then mm-hmm. two years after that uh, J. Edgar Hoover got Charlie Chaplin yep. banned from the US so, yep. you know which
1: lasted how long was that? Ooh. pretty it was long a while, wasn't it? L- yeah I think
0: I think he wasn't allowed back in the US until the seventies.
1: Was it that long?
0: Let me see. Let's see. Here we go. I um Uh, can, uh, I'll find it later anyway uh, so the fact is uh, job, amazing movie you guys need to see it if you haven't uh, and for the mm. rest of you who have seen it um, tell us down in the comments what you think did you like the movie did you not was there a particular part of it that stood out to you and of course how underrated do you think it is I know biased Incredibly. question, but eh. and, you no. Know, I mean, I guess amazing. I guess we can worth your
1: time, honestly. Absolutely, and I guess this is the point where we get on our soapbox and tell people that if they want to be politically informed, to be politically informed, and if they want to vote, to get out and vote and do their civic duty and and all of that yeah. fun jazz. Yeah.
0: No. I mean, it does feel kind of obligatory at this point, but yes. Uh, obviously, we do have an election coming up soon. Regardless of which side of the political aisle you find yourself on, um, just remember, as with all elections, your voice mm-hmm. does count, no matter mm-hmm. what any particular politician says, no matter how yep. futile you think it is because of your yep. faith or lack thereof in our system, um, mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you know, if it, you don't vote, us, you, know. you
0: don't really have a right to complain about the results. You gotta participate. You know, the system did only to, you know,
1: help. 100%. You know. So. You can complain about the system all the, uh, complain about the system all you want. It didn't make us the greatest nation in the history of the world. You know, just, just gonna sit over here and.
0: Uh, I mean, it ain't great. I, I don't get me wrong. It's a broken system from any perspective you take. But, I mean, they kind of all are. So. <laughs> The little but, bit of real politics that we're going to throw into this whole thing.
1: So, I mean, we can talk some real politics real quick if you want to. Uh, no, no. Don't give me that look. This isn't Twitter. Politics. We don't need to do that. Well, no, no. Twitter's actively not letting people talk about politics. No, oh, no. no wait, they only I'm let sorry. you just, talk about just...
0: politics if you're going to argue politics. If you want to simply talk politics, that's nah, not okay.
1: Or, well, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can talk politics. You just have to talk about you know,
0: uh, their specific with that, ideology. Um, guys, <clears throat> you just
1: can't. You just before
0: can't Mike gets on his soapbox, than uh, thank you so much for we joining don't sh- us. We don't, we, don't, uh, we
1: don't show anything on Twitter. What do I care? I'll go after Twitter all day. What? Seriously, what, thank what, you guys for that?
0: joining us. Uh, we actually did have a decent number of people watching us so far. So uh, thank you for that on a Sunday afternoon. Um, Guys, seriously, like we said back at the beginning of this, if this is your first time watching us, please do not forget to like our video and follow us over on Facebook, and like the video and subscribe over on YouTube if you want to see more of our content when it comes out. And of course, we don't really say this too often, but Definitely don't forget to turn on notification alerts uh, mm. to find out when our newest live streams or videos uh, come out. And, of course, if you want to be able to check out our stuff but don't have time for the videos, the audio of all of our shows can be found over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play... Uh, sorry, Google podcast uh, and Stitcher.
1: Just... Don't expect to find us on Twitter much. Yeah. But with that... <laughs> um,
0: guys, thank you. Mike. Yeah. It's been fun. Brad. It has been fun. Till next time. Yep. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and leave you on... Well, I think the only way we can end this video, considering... We spent 37 minutes talking about The Great Dictator and how
1: amazing it Is was. Was it a Trump rally? <laughs> Just going to skip that. And... <laughs> oh, I love pushing your buttons. It's so much fun. <laughs> Guys, thank you all.
2: <laughs> thank you, everybody.